Welcome to episode 106 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about the results of the CITES Trade Summit, and I talk about a sad story involving a famous mountain lion from LA. We learn about two new awesome favorites, and about our super cool looking animal of the week. So let's jump into episode 106 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Welcome to episode 106 or 106. We've yet to actually confirm. Nope. Commit. There we go. To this. 106. 106. Great. Okay. Episode 106 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we are your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we're going to talk about a whole new slew of... Slew? Slew. I don't know. It's just it was what was in my head today. You said that when you could have said slay. Oh, that's sad. How about we're going to slay with the whole no, slew no. of animals today? No. You don't like that? Why not? No. I don't like that word. Why? It's annoying. I love that word. Compared to, I mean, okay, I don't love it, love it, but I mean, like, I, compared to a lot of other things, I like slay. Mm. It's so appropriate. It's like slay girl. My God. Why do you hate it? This is I amazing. just don't. I, no. I don't need a reason. I just don't. And I'm right, so, yeah. That's not how that works. Yes, so it is. So what word do you like then? I don't know. Kill it. Nothing. <laughs> kill it because you want to actually kill it or like you killed it? You really want to kill it. Okay. <laughs> great. This is this is our Christmas episode, Casey. We're off to a great start. Also, is Hanukkah over by the time this no. post? No, it's still oh. going. I'm like, what day are we? Where are yeah. we in this cycle? <laughs> Nope. Also, mm-hmm. happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas and all the other holidays while we're mm-hmm. at it, folks. Anyway, all right, back to the point. We've gotten off track as usual, off the rails, because that's what the bottom of the sleigh is. That what those are? You know. What do we have to find out? Okay, I'm gonna look that up while oh, you start telling us about what you've been up to since the uh, last time I saw you. I feel like it's not gonna be real. I'm gonna yeah, find out what that is. Probably not. Okay, but go for I it. I got an early Christmas present from my mom. Okay. Because it was a living thing, so I could not. They could not keep it boxed up. Is it another carnivorous plant? It's another three carnivorous plants. Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> yes. So they were all sundews, but there were a couple different types. One of them is more like the rosette shape, so it's like kind of looks like a little ring of like dewy leaves. Do you have pictures of these things? Not yet. Oh, okay. Well, you should get them. I know. And another one, it kind of they're kind of like that except the stems more narrow and then at the end it kind of kind of looks like a spoon because <laughs> it has like these narrow leaves and then it widens out at the very end and that's where all the dew is okay and then there's this one that's a branching sundew so it goes up and then it branches off into two leaves narrow leaves with a bunch of dew on it okay yeah. so i'm sorry this one's a sundew those are all all three of them were sundews okay okay so now you have how many sundews? Five. He's counting on his hands. Okay. Five sundews, a Venus flytrap. I want another kind. Of, there's a couple different kinds of Venus flytraps I want, but they're like impossible to find right now. Okay. <laughs> and then I also have a um, American pitcher plant. What is that? 
it so it kind of it kind of looks like a snake plant except it has a top and there's water that goes in and then that's where the insects also go in and they get stuck stuck and then and they drown then, okay yeah. okay so it appears by the way <laughs> Um, I'm trying to look into an actual thing that talks more about them, but when I just, like, flat out Googled it, mm -hmm. they're called runners. Mm. I don't like that. <laughs> but apparently, Off the runners. So it said the sled rides on two sharp-bottomed blades known as runners. Mm. I don't like it. <laughs> I think whatever I said before that I don't remember what it was was better. <laughs> Did you see the video of somebody who, like, got a little Santa beard and then they stuck it in their Venus flytrap so the flytrap closed on it so then there's a little hat and the beard sticking down off the flytrap? No. So they had, like, cut a little hole and then they stuck it, like, in the middle so then the flytrap closed on it. Dear Lord. <laughs> and then it looks like it's a little Santa. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm sure that flytrap was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's dormant right now so it looks pretty dead. Oh, um, sad times. Yeah, and I swear this winter is colder because, like, I'm just doing a precaution because we've got frost where I was. Um, yeah, yeah. So I've been bringing in my plants every night. Yeah, it's probably a good choice. Yeah. And you put them back out during the day every yeah. day. Oh my god, that's annoying. Can't you just put them in a window? No. Because the the UV light doesn't get it gets blocked by windows. Oh, okay. Yep. So it can't can't photosynthesize. Poor little thing mm -hmm. that murders things <laughs> to survive, but still. Yep. Anyway, hopefully the plants at least... Yeah, apparently um, my cousin, his kid, loves Venus flytraps and asked for a picture of mine <laughs> when they visited once and I wasn't there because they keep getting them, but they keep killing them. Oh, dying. <laughs> yeah. Sad times. Mm -hmm. Sad times. I don't remember. Are they... I feel like they were. Weren't they awful when they killed things? Don't they do it horribly? What? The flytraps? All of them. Well, with the fly traps, what it, when it lands, it triggers two hair, two to three hairs, yeah. and that causes it to initially close. Then the f insect has to keep moving around, and then that tightens it, and then digestive enzymes come out. So yeah, so it gets yeah. dissolved. Yes. So it doesn't suffocate; it gets dissolved while it's alive. Correct. So I would classify that as awful. Mm -hmm. And then isn't it kind of a similar thing with the sundew, or do they like drown? Sundews, they get stuck on the sun on the dew yeah. and then it curls up and they get digested so everything digested they're all awful <laughs> they're all horrible i feel like anything that's stationary they might get suffocated by the dew but uh. i feel like anything that's stationary is horrible because it always i feel like is just like you get dissolved like that's how the predatory sponge was wasn't didn't it throw its stuff out it had it a little ball it? of spikes and then it got things got stuck and then and then it dissolves the, it yeah. it all goes back to dissolving it <laughs> That's not a good way to go. Anyway. All right. So that's exciting. It's a circle of life. But it's a mean circle. Just kill it quickly. I mean, not all animals, but most animals kill pretty quickly. Anyway, there's just no reason for this. I don't know why that made me think of it because life is weird. Um, but my dad was out here a little bit ago and he was like, I don't want to get a cat again unless like we have a rodent problem. Because he doesn't want to deal with them puking all the time, basically. <laughs> anyway, and I'm like, well, Tiger Lily's not a big puker. But um, but anyway, and he's like, unless we have a rodent problem. I'm like, you don't even need it because you have a mouser. They're a dog who I swear, they need to do a DNA test on this dog. But he's definitely Shepherd, and I think he's got Hound in him, and my mom thinks he has Roddy in him, too. This dog is probably the most successful mouser of any animal we have ever had. <laughs> I think he has killed six or eight mice at this point. No. It's crazy. But then sometimes he's a dick about it, and then he goes and plays them like a cat. So maybe he thinks he's a cat. I don't know. But it's like, and he has such a powerful jaw. I'm like, just, just, 
boom that's it they're done they're yeah. just crushed you're done move on but I feel kind of bad for the little mice. Like, one got into the garage, and he went into it, and it was, like, three steps, and boom, he got it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he's a, he's a crazy mouser, which is obviously why he's not allowed near my cat. <laughs> Did you know that apparent? I never knew this, but I found out from one of my coworkers that there's, like, electric mouse traps. Oh. Well, I don't know. That might actually be more humane than yeah. most mouse traps. I don't know. I think he was telling me that it was kind of disturbing or something. I can't remember. I mean, it depends on how long it takes to go. Yeah. If it's, like, a quick jolt, and you're just... Because I remember we had a mouse rat problem when I lived in Fallbrook because we yeah. had our citrus trees, so we got mouse traps, and I heard one snap off, but I could still hear the rat squirming. Struggling, yeah. yeah. It's all, and poison's the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. I've witnessed that one. I'm like, oh my god, that's awful. I would say the glue traps. The glues are, the are also really bad. But I don't know, like, what is the best way to do it. They're all awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a little, like, mousy guillotine that can just <laughs> work properly, <laughs> just end it quickly. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like that would be the most humane way. It'd do the job. I mean, as long as it was lined up properly, mm-hmm. it would do the job right if it cut through. But anyway, because, I mean, that's what the mouse traps are basically. Well, they're supposed to break your neck. That's a new business idea. I have to write that down. A mouse trap guillotine? Yes. Small children are going to get their fingers cut off and they're going to get sued. <gasps> Come on. They snap their fingers on those things all the time, so. I know, but if you guillotine it, it's going to get cut clean off. I don't think... It's going to get broken I, if it just gets snapped. If it gets snapped, it's going to get broken. I think if, their finger bones are thicker than a mouse neck bone. Maybe. Not a small child. The ones that are going to be sticking their fingers and things. Yeah, but there's probably a boy, like worse with kids like eating rat poison. I mean, that's true. That's true. And you don't have the problems of like pets mm-hmm. getting into it. Yeah. And also another problem with poison is then that rat goes out and then a coyote or whatever eats it. And then mm-hmm. now you have this whole problem everywhere. And then everything that yeah. eats that carcass gets sick. Or like the mouse dies and then your cat eats it in the backyard. Anyway, I don't I don't advocate for poison. Anywho, you just need a really good hunter cat that will actually kill it immediately. Because mm-hmm. cats are dicks and we'll play yeah. with them. At least house cats are, for sure. So anyway. Alright, well, um, moving on <laughs> from that happy news. I had another game night, and I DM'd for the first time because my one friend has never played D&D before, so I was like, oh, I'll do a one-shot, and I found this one-shot thing that I liked. So I DM'd for the first time. That was an experience. (laughs) It was so much prep work, and I wanted to prep more, but I just ran out of time to prep more, so it was what it was. There's definitely a lot of improv involved and a lot of just, like, flying by the seat of your pants. You just have to figure stuff out. And then I had one fight, so the bad guy's running away from me, goes into a sewer, and then to try and, like, slow them down, he throws a potion at a wall and it hits a spider and turns a spider into a giant spider so the giant spider will attack them to, like, slow them down, right? <laughs> the entire time, we had three people playing. My new friend, who's playing a sorcerer, just cheek eye on the prize, kept following the guy. <laughs> but the other two are fighting the spider. And I cannot tell you, I just, that's what I love about D&D. It's like you set everything up, but the dice just decide, man. And sometimes they just tell you to go fuck yourself. Mm. And the spider fight with the spider and two of the party members, nobody hit. The spider never hit. <laughs> Neither party member ever hit the spider. And it was oh, like... Goodness four or five rounds of this and eventually I was just like you know the spider just walks away (laughs) he's just done with this he was just surprised by the whole situation and he like hears a rat scurrying and he's like you know what that seems like a better option I was like I've never had like a bad thing like just like you know what I'm just gonna leave (laughs) anyway it was ridiculous and like literally nobody got a hit in I was like how did no one hit the spider or the party members it was crazy 
anyway. So, uh, good times. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, D&D, fun times. There you go. Um, but we also, um, had time after to play a game and, I, if you are a Patreon member, I put out a list of animal-related board games that are good gift ideas, and one of them I put on there I hadn't actually played before, but it just was, like, at the top of every list of animal-related board games, but then one of the guys had it, and I was like, I want to play that, so I played Cascadia, and I can confirm it is great, and I would recommend it, and apparently it's not horribly expensive. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually check that price. I should check it. (laughs) But he said it was reasonably priced because usually games like that are like sixty bucks. Yeah, that's really <laughs> annoying. Oh my god, so many games are really expensive, like really expensive. So I'm checking Amazon right yeah. now to make sure. I'm not I was lying to with you. my sister helping her Christmas shop, and I found this one game that I've seen people play because there's like, like the online board game. It's called Mysterium. Yeah. And it's like one person's like a ghost, and everyone else are like mediums, and like trying to get clues from the medium to try to figure out who did it where it happened what they used uh, so clue yeah <laughs> okay kind of like clue but it's a bit different okay um i wanted that and there's i found this other board game called endangered um but apparently like you're supposed to be like a conservationist trying to like work to save your species that you're yeah, there's a couple. I was looking through a lot of different lists of them. Um, also, because I really do want these, but I have the whole rule of I'm like, I haven't been playing enough game nights. I Also, right now I have no money. And I'm like, I have nowhere to put these games, and I can't keep getting more games. But if I can find a spot to put Cascadia on my bookshelf, because I do have, like, one slot, I have to see if I think it'll fit. I might actually get it. I did just check, and it is $33.99 right now on Amazon. So, anyway. But always, try to go to your local game store if you can don't Um, succumb to daddy basis (laughs) okay (laughs) at least he's not casey i can't i can't okay it has nothing to do with the podcast but i just have to say it obviously because basis right now is looking kind of like a saint compared to other people yeah but anyway um Mm -hmm. why did (laughs) why did elton john leave twitter why rocket man That's so great. Anyway, and that is true. Also, completely unrelated, but Elton John did leave Twitter. What is it? It's a grasshopper. Oh, whoa! It's crazy. It's cool. I like him. Anyway, but yeah, so Cascadia definitely highly recommend. I have there was a bunch of other games on there, but they had kind of mixed reviews, and not having played them, I can't really say. So I never trust reviews anymore because, like, I read some of these and it's like, you know, you're just an absolute idiot. I mean, there's just, and also there's kind of like, I don't, there's just people, I just don't like them. <laughs> people have very different tastes, right, in games and stuff, and then there's just kind of people who are a bit, like, um, um, pretentious about them, too, sometimes, so, but anyway, Cascadia's great, I will say, so basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to build your wildlife corridor in the, uh, where are we, the northwest, <laughs> well, we're not, but that's where the game is set, we're in the west, um, the northwest area, so you get these little little tiles these little hex tiles i think they're hexes anyway and um and you get a little animal token and your mm-hmm. goal so like you set out like these five cards and basically it's going to tell you like you're trying to accumulate points by the end obviously if the most points wins and it'll be like having two bears connecting like the actual tokens of bears connecting mm-hmm. having four elk connecting is in a straight line is worth this much having a fox surrounded by all kinds of different animals worth this much points like that's what our layout was and there's different layouts obviously Anyway, but sometimes, like, the tile you want to connect, and you want to try to connect the same type of environment. So there's, like, plains, forest, 
they probably have technical names, but I'm just based off like the art art on it and like mountains and like water and whatever else grasslandy stuff. Um, and so you want to try to connect that because you also get more points if all that stuff's connecting. But sometimes the tile that you want doesn't have an animal you want because you never put the little animal. <laughs> and sometimes the animal you want, the tile is, is not good with it. So that's where the challenge comes in. And I won. I was not doing well. I got oh. my elk. I got my elk. But then three, two of the other players also got all the elk. But then I won because I got the most pine cones. <laughs> so there's certain what? ones. There's certain little tiles. Mm. And they only have one animal. And when you put an animal on that, you get a little pine cone. And you can either use your pine cone to trade and to swap out the animals if you don't like any of the options, if there's too many. Um, or you d pine cones are just worth points at the end. And I had a stash of eight pine cones, and that is what won it for me. <laughs> so be a squirrel, and that will win it for you. But anyway, one thing I really liked about it is that it was just very, like, literally none of us had ever played it before. So it was easy for beginner, like, new people to learn and pick up. And it obviously has a lot of replayability. So, highly recommend Cascadia. It's at the top of list for a reason. And then also, the person who brought that game also has the other one I put on the list that I haven't played yet um, called Wingspan, which is like, I think you're getting different birds to your nature preserve. Mm. So, he says that one's really good. I haven't played it yet. But, um, but anyway, I really like Cascadia. You should get it. This is a little late. <laughs> you have like two days <laughs> if you want to get it for a Christmas present. But, mm. uh, but it's a great game. I suggest it. So, check it out. Anyway... All right, on to other things. Uh, Casey, what do you want to talk about today? I have an update on a previous story. Yes. This is regarding the CITES convention, which was last month. Yeah, that we, I kind we, of we kind about. of left it for a while. Okay, anyway. <laughs> yeah, because it was yeah, the, they, word, the 25th. They hadn't decided things yet, but now things have been decided. Yeah. Okay. So, overall, it was successful. Uh, one of the big significant development was that Requiem Sharks, Hammerheads, and Guitarfish are all are um, all listed on CITES Appendix 2, which puts restrictions about 95% of the shark fin trade. Oh, good. Yep. Previously, it was less than 10%. Oh, my gosh. Of roughly, that was actually regulated, so now... So that's what one of the major big victories. Uh, another big decision uh, is with, with regards to amphibians, because all 160 known species of gla glass frogs are now also listed under Appendix 2 of CITES. Where are glass frogs usually found? All over or specific place? I believe it's South America in the tropics. Okay. But yeah, they were declining significantly because they were being unsustainably collected for the pet trade. Hmm. So now they're under much stricter regulations requiring permits and all that stuff. Now I have to go look at a glass frog. I want a dart frog if it wouldn't, you know, kill Here's you. One. Well, they won't kill you as long as if it's a captive frog. Oh, one. they are really cute. Yeah. That's why they're getting... Mm -hmm. Oh, gross, though. But you can see through that. <laughs> yeah. Well, why do you think they're glass frogs? Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> they're stupid. I didn't see it on your picture. I see it on this one. I don't like it. Well, their head is cute. Their face is cute. That's not cute. <laughs> First, I looked at them and I was like, are those peas? <laughs> anyway, moving right along. So sorry to okay. continue. Multiple freshwater turtle species um, also got added protections in total, about 52 species, including both species of Mata Mata turtles. Mata Mata, that's it's, fun. They're one of my favorite turtles. See, these are so cute from the top. <laughs> Anyway, I'm so sorry. You do continue. Okay, Mata Mata. Now I have to go look up a Mata Mata turtle. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I have okay. a picture of that one that's all the way down here. <laughs> Where's its head? That's its head. What the hell? Oh, that's weird. Okay. They I like have a couple of I like at its nose, but I don't like the, yeah. that neck. It's weird. Yeah, they're also being collected for the pet trade. I've seen like one at an expo before. I'm disturbed by this glass frog because it's so cute from the top, but it is not cute from the bottom. Okay. Mata Mata. I'm going to go look at more pictures of that while you keep talking about them. Go for it. Yes. So there was also a couple songbirds that got protections. One of them. Um, even got placed on Appendix 2, which bans nearly all trade of the species. Okay. Um, but there are, according to the Asian Songbird Trade Specialist Group at the IUCN, um, there's at least 43 species that are in need of urgent protection from trade, um, so there's still a long way to go with that. Another big victory was that 140 different species of Tropical timber species were listed under Appendix 2. Um, some of those... Tropical timber species? Plants. Trees. Oh, okay, okay. Yep. So some of those, um, a couple, three groups of African species, those regulations go into effect within 90 days, so probably a month from now. If I do my math. No, two months from now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but two groups of Latin American species, unfortunately, they won't go in effect for another two years. Oh, well, that sucks. Yes. Especially those countries tend to lose habitat real quick. Yes, they do. I do have to say, this picture is amazing. <laughs> Look how much GBS he looks. I know. I okay. love them. I like them a lot more now. Seeing it from yeah. this angle, it's one of these problems. Like, from certain angles, they're really cute. Because mm -hmm. that looks amazing. Yeah. He looks like a little villain. Look at him. Yeah, they do little... have a couple over at the San Diego Zoo on the turtle walk. I mean, reptile. Maybe I've seen them before. Or is it is it in with other turtles down mm -hmm. over by the... Yeah. Okay, I, it's probably up there. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, do continue. I'm sorry. But yeah, those are some of my favorite turtles, but now they've been listed, so good for them. <laughs> One of the unfortunate things, though, was the um, proposal for protecting, banning hippo ivory from trade did not pass. Oh. Yeah, that was an even 56 float in favor and against, and it requires a two-thirds majority in order for a proposal to pass. Bummer. Is that because the countries are making too much money off of it? Most likely. Okay, great. Yeah. So they're still going to be trying to work on that, but overall it was largely successful CITES meeting with a lot of species gaining new protections. Uh, of course, there's still going to be need work to make sure the infrastructure is in place to properly enforce it. Okay. Um, how they meet every year, right? Yes. Um, how often do they do they usually pass a lot of new regulations, or is it usually like they only pass a couple regulations? Like, was this a good year? Did this was know? a good year. Okay. Yeah. Go team, go yeah. team, CITES. Mm -hmm. And once again, what does CITES stand for? Conservation of an international trade of endangered species of flora and fauna. Yay, CITES. <laughs> Sidey's off. Sidey's off. That's <laughs> really what it is. Yep. Anyway. All right. Yep. So that's going to bring us to our next story. And I apologize. Um, I found this story, which I feel like is kind of important. Oh, and hippo oh. and rhino trade is still illegal. Like the actual the ban animals of, themselves? No, the ivory trade. That oh, was one. Okay. Few countries are trying to get that ban lifted, but it, that did not pass. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I was like, like you're selling them? Because that's intense. <laughs> I know people have, like, tires in their apartment, but I feel like a hippo's a little harder to hide. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, 
All right. Well, I tried my best after this story to go find a happy story. And, and you failed. they did not exist, and they just kind of got worse <laughs> and worse and worse. So I was like, you know what we're going with this one? Because it's kind of important. So um, in sad news, um, I've linked two articles. So you can check out both of them because they kind of have different information. But um, let me start with the first guy here. That's not where your mouse is, Allie. Silly, silly. All right. So I also just feel like it's sad they call them P whatevers. Can't P-22. Can't names. I know. But anyway, Mountain Lion P-22, the Hollywood cat. Oh, by the way, cat... I was wrong. It's every two to three years they meet. Oh, okay, okay. Mountain Lion P-22, the Hollywood cat, is euthanized at the San Diego Zoo. I won't say the rest of that name because I hate it. The Wild Animal Park. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, because it sounds like a drive through park to me. That's why I hate that name. It sounds like a drive through zoo, and mm. that is why I hate it. Anyway, so I just mentioned that they don't name them, that they're just 22 mm. or 106 or whatever. I don't think they have 106 yet, but whatever. Mm. Anyway, so... Essentially, what happened is they caught him in um, in someone's backyard, I think, in Los Feliz. And they took him. He had injuries. He was just not looking very healthy. They took him eventually to the San Diego Zoo, well, not Zoo, the animal park, and they assessed him. And then they made the decision that they needed to euthanize him because he had a lot of chronic health issues, um, which they talk about. Uh, he had kidney disease, which is really common in cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and he was 11 to 12 years old, they think, making him the oldest cat in the NPS study of Southland Lions. And they believe he was born in the Santa Monica Mountains. And he somehow found his way to the tiny nine-square-mile home in Griffith Park. So he is the Hollywood cat because he managed to cross two giant freeways <laughs> yep. without getting hit. Um, so that's why he became famous, pretty much, because he did that. But, um, so one of the articles goes into, well, first of all, it's just, so they found that he had chronic health issues. Um, he had kidney disease. He was severely underweight. Um, he had a skin infection over his entire body and localized arthritis, they said. Um, but it also looked like they suspect he got into an accident with a car because he also had, um, a serious facial injury. And, uh, anyway, they had a lot, and then he had, like, um, herniation of his abdominal organs into his chest, Anyway, so he just had pretty severe injuries, so they felt like it was not humane to let him continue living. But it was weird because one of the articles said that they're not investigating the traffic accident because they don't think he or the car was at fault. And I'm like, so (laughs) there are two people involved in this collision. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, if a mountain lion's on a freeway, that's not your fault. Like, that's, you know. Unless you go. If you swerve to hit them, but I don't think anyone's swerving to hit a mountain lion. I mean, there are assholes who swear yeah. to hit small animals, but a mountain lion is going to fuck up your car, so I don't think you're trying to do that. Anyway, and then people would hate you because this is a famous mountain lion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's really sad. So he did manage to cross the freeways multiple times, but there you go. But the thing that's important about him is that he's a really good ambassador, essentially, for fragmentation and why it's important to actually connect, um, you know, wildlife habitats and stuff because, wow, that was crazy. Um, as <laughs> he got... You know, he had to cross freeways, two giant, I yep. think they're 10 lanes each yeah, freeways. Lanes. Like, this is so big. And if you haven't been down to Griffith Park and just that whole area of LA, it's like mm-hmm. crazy. Um, Griffith Park is beautiful, but anyway. I've never been. Really? Yeah. We should go to the observatory. Mm-hmm. It's nice. And it's free? <laughs> Question mark. I think it's free. I think you just have to pay for certain things in it. Mm. I believe. I only went the one time. And it was funny because when we went, I think I've said this before, but. I went with my dad, and there was a family from Hawaii, and they got really excited because there was a snake. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah, that's right. Anyway, but, um, 
Yeah. So anyway, but he was a great example for things. Hawaiians are excited about is so interesting. You know, they're stuck on an island, so <laughs> they have really cool things that probably we'd be excited about, and they'd be like, yeah, whatever. They have our neighbors caterpillars. Yeah, yeah, they used to have a lot of things up there. They have cool fish. They got they just got cool stuff. Yeah. Anyway, what happens on islands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so um, but he's very he was very famous, and I'm trying to find the part where they're talking about. There we go. Okay. So um, but this is a good. Gazuntite or yawn? I don't know what was that. No, it was Gazuntite. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it went away. <laughs> anyway, so this kind of highlights the importance of having um, what do they actually call them? But like wildlife corridors. Corridors. That's not the word they use. But anyway, they're usually like either they usually go under the I've freeways or over the freeway. I know, but that's not the word they they used. Well, um, they're wrong. Okay, well that's not the word <laughs> everyone uses. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> So um, they are working on making one, though, mm-hmm. um, and it's they have an 85 million project that will be the largest crossing of its kind in the world, stretching 210 feet over the freeway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to see where exactly that is. Where did they say it was going to happen? It's in L.A.-ish yeah. area. I forget where exactly. I'll have to... Yeah. You can also look at the article and see. That's one thing that's good about it down in Temecula. There's a corridor for cougars. Down yeah, they there. have them. I've seen them on the, um, on mm-hmm. the cameras a lot, too. Yep. Um, and even Gavin Newsom mm-hmm. talked about it. I also didn't realize Gavin Newsom's father, though, was a founding member of the Mountain Lion Foundation. Oh. Yeah, so there you go. That's interesting. Anyway, so he had, a, he had a little thing to say about it. But anyway, basically just saying, you know, the need to preserve species and ecosystems. Anyway, wildlife overpass. That's what they call them. Mm-hmm. Ha, there you go. In Liberty Canyon. That's what they're going to be working on. Anyway, so, um, so the one article talks about that and then another article talks about he was exhibiting erratic behavior toward the end where he actually um i don't know if he killed it i imagine he killed it but he attacked a leashed animal mm-hmm. a leashed pet and then he killed some other pets and stuff too so which also though if you have your pet out in mountain lion country which if you're in southern california or in mountain lion country mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you are <laughs> um that's kind of it's kind of on you. <laughs> you don't have mm. get one of the little coyote vests for your small yeah. dog. Oh, my gosh. Probably... I don't think that was stuck. <laughs> well, if it could turn it over, if it could bat it and turn it over, then it could get it. Yeah. But it's not going to be able to come from the top and grab it. It'll be hard to grab it. No. And then you might be able to, like, kick it in the face. <laughs> anyway. Mm. Um, although, if he was sick, then you're going to have a mountain yeah. probably attacking you. But anyway, so, yeah. So, he was exhibiting signs of distress. He killed a leash pet, and then he'd been attacking others, so... They needed to catch him and evaluate him, and then, um, which is what happened when they caught him in the backyard. So anyway, so that's pretty much it. It's just really sad. So the park did a lot of scans on him and stuff, and found that he had just a lot of problems. So they had to, they had to put him down, which is really sad. But anyway, that's the whole point: is that when they can't cross over roads and stuff, their habitat, their habitats, their populations get fragmented. Mm-hmm. I think they were talking about him a while ago, where they have some that are super inbred. Mm-hmm. right now because they just can't mix and um, and actually get clean dna so um so care about connecting wildlife everyone mm-hmm. that's why some animals get transported by helicopter to different regions especially like just to try to switch up the genetics yep. yeah that makes sense so anyway yeah it just it's just also it just makes sense to have those um i like wildlife overpass mm-hmm. personally if it is an overpass yeah. i feel like if it's over it's an overpass if it's under it's a corridor <laughs> That's my rule. When I when I was in um, college, we just called it corridors in general. I mean, I guess like broad scheme, yeah. sure. But I like overpass because like several things could be corridors. Hell, like just people having certain plants in their yards is a corridor because they can go from spot to spot. Yeah. Um. But anyway, but it also just makes sense that 
all cities should be doing that mm-hmm. because uh, you're going to help the animals and you're also going to help people because they're not going to be hitting them. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be less deer accidents. It's like, it's a lot of, and when you hit something big, that can kill you. Mm-hmm. That's going to massively mess up your car. And then I'd be traumatized. I'm like, I hope that deer's dead because yeah. what am I going to do? If it's suffering, what am I, I don't have like a gun to shoot it to like put it out of its misery. I'd be like, oh my God, someone come here and euthanize this poor thing. Anyway, so everyone should have wildlife overpasses or corridors. There you go. All right, moving on into our picks. And it was my turn. (laughs) I'm like, whose turn was it? And I chose um, an African primate. I didn't really have much of a lead up for that for you. Sorry. I just feel like there's a lot of primates in Africa. And I was like, you know what? Let's talk about some. And you usually complain about me very, very, very broad. Well, yeah. There you go. It's still not as broad as a invertebrate, okay, or a pelagic species, okay. So don't even talk to me about this. Primates not that big. All right. So Casey, it's one of the you... top five largest mammal orders. So. Well, who are the next ones above it? Tell me. Tell me now. There are bats, rodents, shrews. Shrews have their own order entirely. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Who's the four? I believe it's artiodactyls. Oh, there's something about ungulates, right? That's artiodactyls. Are those the odd toad or even toad? Odd toad, even toad, even toad. <laughs> it's even toad. Yay! Because <laughs> those are like the antelope and stuff, right? Yep. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, anyway. Well, there you go. I chose something. It's still number five, so whatever. It's not invertebrates. Actually, no, I'm wrong. Shrews are included with hedgehogs and I believe moles. Oh, okay, well. Anyway, all right. Well, who did you choose for your African primate? Bonobos. Bonobos. They're silly. Yes, and it's Tell a fun us name. About them. It is Bonobo. a fun name. Bonobo. 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 Yeah. So their scientific name is Panpaniscus, and bonobos are native to the Democratic Republic of the Congo and live in tropical rainforests of the Congo Basin. Their lifespan in the wild is currently unknown, but they have been known to live over 50 years in captivity. They look very similar to chimpanzees, but are smaller, and for this reason, they once were re- referred to as pygmy chimpanzees, Aww. but they are, in fact, their own separate species, but were not recognized as their own species until 1933. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, for a while, they were the newly most newly discovered primate. Who's newer now? The Tapanuli orangutan. Whoa, okay. Yep. So, they show some sexual dimorphism. Females average around 31 kilograms, males about 39 kilograms, about 70 to 83 centimeters long. That's you forgot your ruler? Hang on. <laughs> I did. I usually have it sitting right here, but because I brought this in today. There it is. Sorry for all the noise. There's noise. I always keep one in my bag. Oh my goodness. Okay, sorry. 70 to 80? Yeah, 70 to 80. I was so sad. Did you see how sad I was when it wasn't here? Okay, well, 80 is here. Yeah, I don't know why I'm looking at this when I've seen a bonobo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no you should have seen one are. before. But yes, that, that matches up to what I've seen before. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> Bonobos are omnivorous, but most of their diet consists of leaves, stems, fruit, worms, and insects. But on some occasions, they have been known to go after small mammals. But this is typically just opportunistic. They don't usually actively go out and hunt like um, chimpanzees will. Okay. Bonobos are our closest living relative and share nearly 99% of our DNA. As mentioned earlier, they do look very similar to chimps, 
but they are on the smaller size and they are leaner and darker in colorations. Bonobos are also more comfortable walking upright and usually have hair on top of their head that is parted down the middle. <laughs> the biggest difference though between the two species comes down to their behavior. Chimps largely live in patriarchal societies and are known to display brutal, hyper-aggressive behavior even within a troop. Bonobos are quite different in that they are a matriarchal society and will resolve conflicts between one another through sex. <laughs> Make love, not war. They are yep. a poster child for that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there is not a single instance of a bonobo killing another member of its species to date. Wow. Mm -hmm. Whereas chimps, it's pretty common. Yeah. It's been documented basically all species of great apes, except for them. Great, great. Good job, bonobos. Mm -hmm. Bonobos will also use touch to give reassurance and comfort to other members of the troop and form close relationships with one another. They are also less fearful of water than chimps and will even venture in to go fish for shrimp using their hands. Aw, that's cute. Question, are mm -hmm. most of the other great apes patriarch patriarchal? Mm-hmm. Evidence. Yeah. <laughs> the ones you wouldn't call patriarchal would be orangutans, and that's because they're solitary. Okay. So, evidence that a matriarchal society, less violence. Yep. <laughs> and therefore better. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yep. So one thing that may explain why there is such a drastic difference in their societies of these two closely related species may have to do with the presence of another great ape, the gorilla. Okay. Chimps live alongside gorillas in their native habitat, whereas they are absent where bonobos live. Um, so, in, so chimps may have evolved more aggressive behavior in order to get as much resource as possible before gorillas come into an area or extract as much as they can from what's left after a group of tr gorillas moves on. Okay. And in bonobo societies, an individual's rank can be inherited as the males of the troop get their status in the group based upon the hierarchy of their mother. This leads to another interesting behavior in which the males will stay within their natal group with their mothers, but once the females reach maturity, they will venture off to join a new troop. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Even though they are generally regarded as matriarchal species, they don't have a strict hierarchy and are largely egalitarian. That's so great. Mm -hmm. The bonobos are also incredibly intelligent, and one of the most well-known bonobos was an individual named Kanzi who learned to communicate with humans by using symbols called a lexigram and learned over 300 of them and was able to understand 3,000 spoken words. Wow. They are known to use tools as well. In the wild, they have been observed using moss to sponge water out of tree trunks in order to drink, and they will put leaves together to make a rain hat and use twigs as a toothpick. I want to see the rain hat yep. real bad. Do they have pictures of that? Because I want to see a bonobo rain hat. I'm searching that picture of that turtle. It's hilarious. Okay. Unfortunately, the bonobo is currently listed as endangered by the IUCN Red List, and their population is declining. In fact, the bonobos are the second rarest of the great apes with less than 20,000 left. And these guys are threatened by loss of habitat due to deforestation. They are also hunted for the bushmeat trade. And babies get sold into the illegal pet trade, unfortunately. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. That's not a bonobo. No. But, but I'm assuming it's too. like that. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Okay, great. All right. Well, that's a bonobo. They're mm -hmm. awesome. Super awesome. 
Excuse me. Yeah. Bonobos was one of the species I did my report on when I took a, a biological anthropology class. They just seem like they have it the most together. Mm-hmm. So go Bonobos. Yep. I think you're my favorite of these. All right. Well, that's going to bring it to my choice. And I chose the mandrel. Um, and again, of course, I chose it. Why? Because of their looks. They just look cool. Mm-hmm. And also my favorite Disney movie is The Lion King and Rafiki. It has to be a mandrel. They, he refers to himself as a baboon, but uh, <laughs> technically does he refer to himself? Here we're going to get philosophical. <laughs> philosophical, but I like to say it philosophical. Anyway, um, he says it means I'm a baboon and you're not. You're a baboon. Switch that. It means you're a baboon and I'm not. And then Simba's like, I think you're a little confused. No, Simba, he's not confused because he's not a baboon. He's a mandrel. <laughs> he's just saying a little saying. He's not saying he's actually a baboon. Anyway, all right, so mandrel. Their scientific name is Mandrillus sphinx. Mm -hmm. That's weird. Okay. These primates are found in Western Africa in the countries of Cameroon, Gabon, Gabon, Gabon. It's Gabon. That's what I thought. Okay, Gabon, Equatorial Guinea, and the Congo. I love that yours is, wait, are they two different places They're two different countries. That's why I'm like, wait, they didn't, okay, There's the Congo, then there's the Democratic Republic of Congo. Okay, anyway, they live in, um primary and secondary rainforest what does that mean so primary forests are forests old forests that are in their natural state that have not been disturbed secondary forests are forests that have regenerated after oh. a forest has been cleared in an area interesting okay 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 so they live everywhere <laughs> they can live up to 20 years in the wild but can live up to 40 years in captivity they are a species of old world monkey aren't they all old world monkeys if they're in africa yes okay duh well not all primates but of the monkeys yes okay 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 <laughs> they are so anyway like i said they're an old world monkey um and they are sexually dimorphic with the males being larger than the females the male mandrel holds the distinction of being the world's largest living monkey really yeah they're bigger oh monkey not gorilla that's yep. why not <laughs> i got so blown away for a second i was like they're not bigger than a gorilla i've never seen a mandrel in person i don't think they like have them at the zoo. zoo. They have yeah, one they at the do. zoo, don't they? Okay, yeah. Anyway, I was like, never mind. Monkey, not ape. <laughs> That's the difference, mm-hmm. folks. Anywho, there we go. So um, they are 62 to 110 centimeters. That's not that big because 80 wasn't that big. 110. I can do it. It's in my wingspan. <laughs> Is it like sitting? Yeah. That's very big. It's pretty big. Anyway, and 18 to 33 kilograms, and the females are 55 to 67 centimeters, and they weigh 11 to 13 kilograms. They are omnivorous, with the bulk of their diet consisting of fruits, seeds, fungi, and roots, but they will supplement their diet with insects, reptiles, and small mammals. Oh, nice. They do have some pretty good teeth, though, so that makes sense. Yes, they do. You may um, hear people refer to mandrels as baboons, as baboons, and one of their often often common names is the forest baboon, but they are not baboons, as true baboons are in the genus Papio. Yep. And genetic studies have actually shown that mandrels close rela- mandrels closest rela- Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Try this again. And genetic studies have actually shown that the mandrel's closest relatives are the drill and mangabees. What is a drill? I've never heard of a drill. They kind of look like a mandrel, but they don't have that coloration. Okay, I've also never heard of a mangabee. Really? I'm assuming I'm saying that right. Yeah, that's how you say it. Great. I've never heard of either of these. Yeah. Mangabees look nothing like a mandrel. (laughs) 
Okay, that's crazy. Anyway, mm-hmm. mandrels are also the world's most colorful primate um, in color and personality. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, um, males will have... They're all Rafiki, baby. <laughs> yes, Rafiki's very <laughs> colorful personality-wise. Um, males will have red and blue muzzles, and their rear ends tend to be the same color. And the uh, dominant males will have the most color due to their higher testosterone levels. And if they are dethroned, their colors will actually start to fade. Aww. So if they get dethroned, their testosterone goes down? Like their pride gets hurt in their testosterone? You could say it like that. That's so sad. (laughs) I feel like most men are like mandrels then. They have to like fight. Not most, but like, you know. Those insecure dudes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> females do have a face mask too, but theirs is much paler in color. I'm amazed you didn't say drab. Anyway, <laughs> these colors well, it's still kind of like a purple, so it's not drab. It's still pretty. Okay. Um, these colors are not only to impress the ladies during mating season, but they help the mandrels follow other members of their troop through the thick brush of the rainforest. I like color. <laughs> All right, anyway. Fun fact, here we go. <laughs> in The Lion King, the character uh, is referred to as a baboon, but you'll notice from his colorful face that he is actually a mandrel. And the name Rafiki comes from a Swahili word that means friend. I could have told you that. That's one of the Swahili things I know. Back it's when part I studied of my, Swahili. It's in my script at work. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. because hedgehogs. Well, I'm sure they try get, to connect anything yeah. to movies. For, yeah, because yeah. hedgehogs also get called Rafiki. Oh, they do? Yeah, because they eat poisonous snakes, spiders, and insects. Oh, so that's why they're a friend. Okay, I was like, why are they friends? They're not that friendly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. That's weird. Anyway, also Simba is lion, so they were very, very creative. <laughs> anyway, all right. So um, they are a semi, semi, why can't I talk today? What is happening? They are a semi-arboreal species, so they spend a lot of time traveling on the ground, but are just as comfortable up in the trees, and will usually spend their nights sleeping in one to help avoid predators. Do they make themselves a little, like, leaf bed? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's so cute. Okay, anyway. While they are foraging on the ground, they will stuff fruits and seeds into their cheeks, pouches, and hold them until they get to safer locations to eat. That's amazing. Um, there is some display between the sexes and in their foraging behavior too, as males do most of the foraging on the ground, while the females and offspring will usually forage for fruit up on the trees. Even though mandrels are very social animals that live in multi-male, multi-female societies that can have troops of over 20 individuals, once male mandrels reach, reach maturity at nine years of age, they will have to set out on their own and must sustain themselves all by themselves until they can find a troop of their own. Mandrels will communicate with vocalizations, but they also use facial expressions, and it will even grin to show their five centimeter long canine teeth. I was looking at inches. <laughs> it's pretty long. Yep. That's pretty bad. That's like a good, that's like bigger than a cheetah's tooth, I would imagine. It is. That's crazy. Anyway, um, um, and even though this may look intimidating to us, it is actually a friendly gesture in mandrel society. That's amazing. Mandrels are currently listed as vulnerable by the IUCN Red List, and their population is decreasing. The species is threatened by habitat loss due to illegal logging and being hunted for the bushmeat trade. What is the bushmeat trade? Isn't bushmeat just like, I'm hungry and I need to eat something, so yeah. here's some meat? Yeah. So how is that really considered trade? That's just like, I have to survive. But maybe don't try to kill the yeah. endangered ones. Yep. But back to your leaf bed comment. Bonobos do that too, but one thing that sets them apart from the other great apes that do it is they're the only ones that share leaf beds. Bonobos are just kind of my favorite. <laughs> they're so sweet. Yep. 
And I love that mantles are trying to be sweet, but they look scary. <laughs> They're like, hey, and I'm like, oh god. And it's like, oh, you're being friendly. Yep. So if we like at them, is that yeah. friendly? It possibly. Just don't stare at them. When I you stare like at primates, all primates that's a, is don't stare. Yeah, at don't them. stare at them. And you know what's funny? I haven't had a poop. Which is hard when I'm like at work with Lou. It's like I just want to look at your face, but I don't want to be rude. At who? What? Lou, the owl monkey I work with. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, can you look at, like, his ear? Can you, like, go above the eyes? I, that's what I like, Well, normally head? he's not looking at me. It's like, okay, I'll scratch your back. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I haven't had a poop-throwing experience in a long time. <laughs> I feel like it used to happen a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> not at me. I don't think they ever threw it at me. Mm-hmm. But, like, definitely at other people nearby. Oh, yeah. But I haven't seen... I guess I don't really go to the gorillas very much anymore either. But I feel like that was a common thing when I was a child. I don't remember that. You never no. had a poop-throwing experience? No. I remember one day... The only one I remember, like, the most... It was very busy day, so it was very crowded over there. And he launched it. And people were looking at him. And people, other people were like, don't look at him. And you could see he was getting ready to do it. You're like, mm-hmm. you know what's coming. And he threw it. I think the kid was out of the stroller at the mm. time, but it definitely landed in a stroller. Oh, my God. So, anyway, so hopefully the child was out of the stroller uh. at that time. But, anyway, it was a uh, – but it definitely happened a few times when I was a kid mm. at the park. Yeah. I don't think they could do it at the zoo because I don't think they have an open spot to launch it at you. Probably on eh, – no, it's covered by I think it's all covered, now. yeah. So, anyway, but at the park, they definitely launched <laughs> – they launched some poops sometimes. You're like, don't be looking at them. Don't do it. Anyway, all right, well, that's um, <laughs> Casey. Yes, Allie. What do you call an angry monkey? Mm. I don't know. A furious George. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have that. you seen those Mandela effect memes with, like, curious George with a tail and without a tail? No. Oh, my gosh. I have to say, I went on a pun. I went to my little pun page that I follow on Twitter. It hasn't fallen apart yet. It, well, Twitter is rough. Twitter is, like, not – I keep getting a lot of the same stuff, so I don't know My if, favorite thing was, like, a poll where, if like – should step down. And, like – Everyone's was, like, yes. And you have to know, like, a good chunk of those are people that love him. Because <laughs> it's a disaster. Yeah. It's just drama after drama. He's saying so many things. And then, like, Twitter, I don't know if it's because of changes they're making or because things are falling apart. Mm -hmm. But, like, I'll see something, a lot of the same stuff that I saw the day before. Mm -hmm. And usually it refreshes a fair amount so that, like, you know, if you go back hours later, you're not really going to see a lot of the same stuff unless you're really scrolling Mm -hmm. for, like, ever. And I'm like, this has been at least 12 hours, and I'm getting the majority of stuff I've already seen. So, like, what's going on? So something's going on there. But anyway, but I went to my little pun page, like, actually to their page looking for puns. And I was just, I was dying last night. I took so many screen caps of so many. They're just so good. And you know you're going to get peppered with But I think you sent just, me some the other. I did send you some because I can't. Sometimes you're lucky and it's two o'clock in the morning, so I don't send them to you. But like, <laughs> they're so good. There were some I was just dying last night. I think I'm gonna have to do that. Like, they're not animal related, but I'm just gonna have to do like an extra bonus. Oh thing yeah, with a here's bunch of one. Puns. What kind of doctor is Doctor Pepper? <laughs> a physician. A physician. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's so many good ones, you guys. I can't even tell you. Like. They're so amazing. I'm not going to go through them, but I took... Look at all of this I took last night. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> They're so great. They're mm. just ridiculously... A 
okay, and this one I'm saying just because it kind of relates to us. Um, what do you call a waffle? I love it too. I don't get it right away, and I have to say it out loud, and then I get it. What do you call a waffle you dropped on the beach? I don't know. A San Diego. Oh my gosh. What days are the strongest? Yes. Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> the rest are weekdays. <laughs> going to bring us to our animal of the week and our animal of the week this week is the egyptian Euromastics. the egyptian i thought it was the Euromastics. Euromastics, Euromastics. Uh, potato potato yeah i've never heard anyone say a potato was a potato but okay anyway neither have i all right egyptian i'm gonna have say have you ever heard someone call a tomato a tomato no Really? I have heard well, someone wait. say a tomato. I haven't heard But I've never heard person... someone say potato. I've never heard a person in person say potato or yeah. tomato, but I said like tomato juice. Like I feel like it's just a Brit saying yeah. it. Okay. I remember though, I was watching Family Feud once and yeah. it's like, name a word that starts with pot. <laughs> and somebody, <laughs> there was like only two left and one somebody was like potato. And it's like, yeah, nobody says potato. <laughs> he already started walking to the other family, and it was up there. <laughs> well, they're saying that the spelling yeah. it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Pottery, I would imagine, is one of them. Yeah. Anyway, potential. Okay, moving on. So the Egyptian Euromastics, tell us about them. So these guys are in the order Squamata, and they're in the family Agamidae. Another Agama! Yep. Yay! That's why they're cool. Yep. Ah, Agamas are the coolest. <laughs> and their scientific name is Uromastix aegyptia. That was easy enough. Okay. Yep. <laughs> As their name would suggest, these guys are found in Egypt, but they can also be found in Iraq, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. They are an arid-dwelling species of reptile and live in r dry, rocky areas as well as shrublands. In the wild, they can live to be about 15 years old, but in captivity, they can live from 20 to 30 years. Okay. They are the largest known aromastic species and can measure at 76 centimeters long. Well, we did 80, so it's yep. pretty good size. <laughs> they are strictly herbivorous and feed on leafy greens as well as seeds, flowers. And when they are juveniles, though, they will occasionally eat a few insects. Due to the harsh environment they live in, the aromastics has evolved to get all of the water it needs through the plants that it eats. Since it can get up to 120 degrees Fahrenheit, there is not much water where they are from. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. I feel like most lizards are insect eaters, though, aren't they? A lot are. Yep. Okay. Weird. <laughs> Another way they can collect water has to deal with the shape of their head. On top of their head, there is a small indent that acts like a cup, and the morning dew collects up there, and they will tip their head so it trickles down for them to drink. Just like other reptiles, their aromastics is ectothermic, so they must bask in order to thermoregulate. They also have a dark coloration that allows them to absorb heat more efficiently, which becomes very useful since the desert is a climate of extremes. And during the night, it can get below freezing. Oh my gosh. These lizards have loose flaps of skin along the sides of their body, and they will spread these out when they lay down to bask. This increases their surface area, making it easier to increase their body temperature. And when it gets too hot for them, they will go into rock crevices or burrows to cool down. The aromastics also gets the common name spiny-tailed lizards because their tail is covered in several spines. 
due to their relatively large... Oh, you know what another great thing about a gama is? At least for me working with one. What? <laughs> they can't drop their tails. Oh. Yeah. Which is one thing I'm paranoid when I... When you're handling a lizard, you're yes. afraid they're going to drop it? Mm-hmm. I would freak out if one dropped one on me. I'd be like, oh my god, I've broken you. <laughs> uh, due to their relatively large size for a desert species, the aromastics would make a decent meal for some would-be predators. So they have a few tricks up their sleeves to protect themselves from being hunted. When they feel threatened, their first instinct will be to go and hide a rock crevice or a burrow. If a predator is still trying to get them out, they will start to inhale air, and this causes the skin flaps on their sides to expand and makes them look bigger to try to scare off their attacker, and they will help try to wedge them into place. And if this still doesn't work, they will start waving their tail back and forth, using it like a club to hit its attacker. <laughs> That's amazing. And it can hurt pretty bad. Uh, we have three of them at work, mm-hmm. and my coworker got hit by one of them, and she still has a mark on her arm. Oh, wow. How long is the tail? Did you say just the tail? How long that is? I did not. Okay. I would say... But looking at it, it looks like it's about almost half the body length. Not I would say quite, more like a but... third. Okay. Maybe a little bit more than that. It's a pretty good-sized tail. Mm -hmm. That's pretty thick. Yeah. And the Aromastic's generic name is actually a reference to this behavior because its name comes from the Greek words uro, which means tail, and mastix, which means whip, even though it looks and is used more like a club than a whip. (laughs) Well, it whips its tail back and forth. Yes. (laughs) Whip my tail. Thank you. I whip my tail back and forth. I whip my tail back and forth. Now we're going to need to get a video of one doing it. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. No, out of the three, there is, they're all fine once you pick them up. But one, she, no matter, she's been there for years. And she used to being handled. But when you go to first pick her up, you have to tap her on her back because she will always slap, slap her Tap her on her back to let her know you're there? Yeah. Okay. Because she will instinctively just swipe. If you try to pick her up without tapping yeah. her. She's like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. We're going to just pick you up now. She's like, nope. Yep. That's funny. Yeah. Um, they are an oviparous species of lizard, meaning they will lay eggs rather than give live birth. Um, females will dig a burrow for her clutch, which can contain as few as five to as many as 40 eggs. And That's it- a range? Okay. Yes. <laughs> and she will leave the clutch in the burrow to help keep them at a stable temperature. Which is difficult when you live in a desert. Mm-hmm. The hatchlings are independent once they emerge and will venture off on their own to fend for themselves. The Egyptian aromastics is currently listed as vulnerable by the IUCN Red List, and unfortunately their population is currently in decline. This species is regularly found in both traditional medicine trade as well as international pet trade. Some of this trade is illegal and it is putting a lot of pressure on the wild populations. And they are also hunted by locals for food, and it's losing habitat due to overgrazing by livestock and human settlements. Oh, no. Yep. Poor, well, they're not that little, but Mm -hmm. poor guys. (laughs) Yeah. And if you do find these in pet trade, they're almost always wild caught. I very rarely have found captive bred Euromastics. Oh, that's sad. They Mm -hmm. are really cool, though, so I get why people want them. But Mm -hmm. I feel like that tail would break. You'd have to have a specific enclosure, because I feel like that tail would break glass. Hasn't broken our glass. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yep. Again, they only do it if they feel threatened, so. Okay. So don't threaten them or that'll hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, also, can we talk about, I looked up what the Maga, Maga Bee or whatever mm-hmm. is. Look at that. Look at what a, like, a glamour <laughs> shot that is. Yep. That's like a school photo right there. Mm-hmm. So cute. Anyway, mm-hmm. all right. I love it. 
I don't really see how they're related, but sure. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, that is going to bring us to our challenge, and it is Casey's turn to challenge uh, hopefully not just me because it's usually not No, it great. is just you. Great. Perfect. <laughs> Always works out well. Okay. So it's called the 12 Days of Christmas Quiz. Okay. Though it's not really a Christmas quiz, not related to the song. Or birds. Yeah, the plethora of- there's some birds. Okay. <laughs> but really, it's the 12 days of Christmas because I did 12 questions instead of 10. And it's almost Christmas. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. I tried to make it. I tried, though, but yeah. <laughs> and because it's 12 questions, I will give you 12 minutes. Okay. All right. Are you ready? You know, as much as I'm going to be. Let's go Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me what was the first animal of the week this season that would actually make a horrible gift. Oh, no. This season, I was like, it was the quaddy. Okay. Uh, the season. Oh, that would make a horrible gift? Was yeah. it actually the first animal? Yes. Okay. I was like, or are you saying the first one would make a horrible gift? Okay. Well, we were in South America. Oh, my. How do I, how do I fail this every time? <laughs> I don't remember this season. I swear <laughs> to God. Like, I remember the other ones, and I'm like, what did we do this season? Uh. Literally, who are any of our South American animals this season? <laughs> now I have the titty cock frog in my head because I forgot well, it that one time. That's season one. <laughs> I, I know, but I forgot that one time, so now yeah. we'll never leave. Um, literally, who did we do in South America? It's a bad gift, so it's. I feel like it's an an, a mammal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't our first animal, though. Because the kinkajou was in South America, right? Yeah. But I don't think that was our first animal. I can't remember any of our South American animals, so I'm saying kinkajou. That is not correct. Damn it. <laughs> Though they do make horrible pets. Okay. What is the largest carnivore native to the Arctic? Think about this one before you answer. Why? Do... <laughs> well, you're scaring me. Because no, I feel like my answer that I want to say now is not the answer. <laughs> and now I'm like, is this other animal a carnivore? Think orders. I know, but that doesn't really help mm-hmm. me necessarily. Because okay. <laughs> um, I don't remember what those are in. I don't think they're in carnivore. I'm just going to go with my basic answer and say that it's a polar bear. It is not the polar bear. Was it like an elephant seal or some shit like that? <laughs> they're not that far north. Okay. <laughs> but similar. There is one bird animal of the week from each season that, due to its range, could be considered a Christmas-themed animal. Name them. Meaning that they're in the snow? Arctic. Okay, within the like, Arctic's range. I feel like the rock ptarmigan is one. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. Repeat the question. <laughs> There's one bird animal of the week from each season okay. that, due to its range, could be considered a Christmas-themed bird. Okay, well, definitely Name the rock ptarmigan. We said. I yep. feel like. Do the Atlantic puffins go up that high? Well, I feel like an Arctic tern mm-hmm. is one. Was it animal of the week? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> Shit. Um, okay. Well, I feel like... Okay, so the rock tarmac game was season one. Yes. I feel like... Did the Atlantic puffins go up that high? <sighs> I am losing all of our animals. This is, like, <laughs> ridiculous. I'm trying to think of anything. I'm going to say the Atlantic puffin. Okay. Um, and this season, a lemming is not a bird. No, it is not. Um, <laughs> what birdies have we talked Birdies. What have we talked about this season? What birds have we talked about? Jeez, I'm forgetting everyone. 
You're at nine minutes now, by the way. Oh my god, this is going horrible. I feel like it was probably in our Europe and Arctic one, right? Mm-hmm. That was literally like last month. <laughs> How have I forgotten? What else did we do? Oh my lord. No, that was a bonus animal. <laughs> That's obviously also not a bird. Um, those are picks. Who was our bird? I I I get I I give up. I can't remember who. Okay, we did. we'll move on. Okay, that's so sad. We have talked about one mammal this season that li actually lives in the Arctic, which was the it? Norway lemming. Yes, it was. <laughs> Great, I got that one. <laughs> it's the only thing I can remember from Europe, apparently. Many animals don't get to enjoy the Christmas season due to their hibernation. What animals have we talked about this season that hibernate? Oh, God. That would mean I remember any of our animals from this season. <laughs> I can't remember anybody. Okay, I know the kinkajou <laughs> not hibernate, nor does the ringtail. Um... Nor does the Euromastix. <laughs> How do I not know of any of our animals? I'll give you a hint. They're both in North America. Oh, God. Okay. Who do we do in North America? We did the ringtail. We did... I literally am forgetting everything we've done this season. Who else did we even do in North mm -hmm. America? I feel like we had to have done... And I'm definitely getting picks and, and animals confused, too. I am including picks and animals of the week for this Oh, one. okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Repeat the question. <laughs> Which animals have we talked about this season that actually hibernate? There are two of them. Both in North America. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what our picks categories were, too. I know we had mm -hmm. songbirds, which is obviously not. <laughs> um, <laughs> did we do reptiles? Oh, that's, that's a bird I need to talk about. I don't remember if we did reptiles in North America. I don't feel like we did because I don't remember what I chose if we did. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. No, we did because it was the horny toad. Mm -hmm. But I don't think either of those. Who did I choose? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either of them hibernated, though. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we did any bears or anything. So we was this wasn't the season with the badgers. Nope. Yeah, six minutes, I, by the way. I give up. I did. Pass. Lost. Yeah, this is horrible. Okay. Explain the difference between caribou and reindeer. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what the difference is between caribou and reindeer. <laughs> they... Uh, size. No. Okay, great. This is going really well. <laughs> You're going to hate me for that one. What sex are Santa's reindeer? Um, I feel like this is a trick question <laughs> because they have antlers, mm -hmm. right? They're not horns, so usually antlers are boys. But then I feel like it's a trick question, and there's some joke about the fact that they mostly have boy names, but they're all girls. I'm gonna go with the trick question. It's gonna kill me. I'm gonna say that they're girls. That is correct. Okay, I'll explain it in a minute. Okay. Moose may be the largest deer species, but what is the largest goat antelope from the chilly north that we talked about in season one? The Talkin. Chilly north. Chilly north. So I'll give you a second to think. Oh. <laughs> Was it goat species? Mm -hmm. I guess yes, because if they're that big, it probably is, right? <laughs> yeah. A muskox? Yes. Okay. 
That's a goat species? I did not remember that. A goat antelope, yep. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Same thing with the talking, but yeah. There are two canine species that can be found in the Arctic Circle. Which are they? I would imagine the Arctic fox. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think there's an Arctic wolf. That is correct. Okay, great. Oh, God, I got one question right so far. (laughs) Though the Arctic doesn't have a penguin, what extinct flightless bird used to be found up there whose scientific name gave penguins their name? Have we talked about yes, this? Yes, I talked about it two months ago for one animal. When you're talking about the Arctic tern or something? It's kind of like an Arctic tern. They gave penguins their name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no idea. Okay. No, I don't remember that at all. All right, the top predator of the Arctic is the polar bear. What species make up the bulk of its diet? Uh, I Seals, I believe. What kind of seal? Oh, come on, man. It's not harbor seals. What are they called? Uh, fur seals? Not a fur seal. Oh, God. Um, do I just get to keep guessing? I'll let you guess because I do <laughs> Or you can move on if you want. Uh, I really thought it was fur seals, so I'm really kind of thrown. It's not a harbor seal. Uh, I don't think it's a ribbon seal. I don't know. I can't think of my other seal, so I'll say a ribbon seal. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on. Yeah. What bird partakes on the longest longest migration of any animal on Earth traveling from north to the South Pole? We 100% did talk about this, and I want to say it is the Arctic tern. I don't remember if that's right, but I'm going to say it's the Arctic tern. That is correct. Okay, good. And you're done. Cool, I got two questions right. (laughs) You got more than that. That was so. I literally can't think of any of our animals of the week. What is wrong with me? <laughs> okay. The hummingbird was one of our North America ones. Mm-hmm. There's one. Oh my God! What are the other animals? What did we do in Europe? You got sixty-six out of a potential of hundred twenty. So just barely over half. Yep. <laughs> okay, great. All right. So, the first animal of the week this season was the giant river otter. Oh, my God. <laughs> I But I thought it... I Okay. Mm. I mean, first of all, I didn't remember what the animal was. But, like... <laughs> but I thought it was something cute. And, like, they so it's like, cute. they're not a good... I, but they're not small. <laughs> so, when you're saying a bad pet, I'm like, oh, like a kinkajou or, like, a sugar glider or something. Not, like, a giant thing that could, like, rip your arm off if it wanted to. Okay, anyway... How right. did I, I just really did not remember they were number or they were our first mm-hmm. one. Okay. Now, what is the largest carnivore native to the Arctic? That is the walrus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just I felt like they weren't carnivora. Yep. So they I are. got thrown. <laughs> and so there is one bird from each season that, due to its range, could be considered a Christmas themed bird. Okay. From season one, it was the rock charm again. Okay. Season two, you got that too, the Atlantic puffin. Mm-hmm. Third one from this season was the razorbill. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the one mammal this season that lives in the Arctic mammal this season that lives in the Arctic is the Norwegian lemming. Now, the two animals that we talked about this season that do hibernate were the beaver and the yellow-bellied marmot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was definitely thinking animals of the week too. Yeah. Cuz at one point a beaver did enter my mind, mm-hmm. but then I was like, "Oh, that's not an animal of the week." <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. Explain the difference between a caribou and reindeer. 
Nothing. They're the same species. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. Now, what sex are Santa's reindeer? You got it right. It's They are females. So caribous are one of the species of deer where both males and females Have grow animals. antlers. But it is only the males that shed them in winter. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yep. for them to have it in winter, it has to be female. Okay. Yep. Well, vixen still makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the names still make sense. <laughs> and the moose may be the largest deer, but the largest goat antelope that lives in the north, chilly north, Arctic, is the muskox. Okay. And the two canine species that can be found in the Arctic Circle are the Arctic wolf and the Arctic fox. So cute. Mm-hmm. Now, the Arctic doesn't have penguins, but the extinct flightless bird that used to be up there, whose scientific name gave penguins their name, is the Great Auk. I talked about that oh, when we talked about, about the razor bill. Okay, okay. <laughs> yep. And the top prayer of the Arctic is the polar, and the species that makes up the bulk of its diet is the ringed seal. It's <laughs> close. Yep. <laughs> okay, fine. And the bird that partakes in the longest migration of any animal on Earth is the Arctic tern. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Which I still feel like they should just circumnavigate. <laughs> Which made me think, I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta do it. Who built <laughs> King Arthur's round table? I don't know. Circumference. Good lord. <laughs> anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, that was it. That was all 12. Okay. Great, okay. That was so bad. I can't believe I have just blanked on all of our animals. I was like, who have we talked about at all? Oh, my goodness. I am out of it, obviously. God. Can't remember anything. Do I remember who else we talked about in this continent? Literally, who have we talked about? Today was the aromastics. Yep. Last time was the... We had a lot of mammals. Oh, I think it was the Galago. Mm-hmm. And then before that, I feel like they've all been mammals. We've been really mammal heavy. Yep. I I can't even think of who our other African animals have been. It's so bad. It was an antelope of some kind. Yeah. Big horns. Oh, scimitar horned oryx. Yep. One, two, three. Is that everybody? No, mm-hmm. I'm missing one, aren't I? You're a mastix. When I just said the galaga <laughs> scimitar. Yeah, I'm missing one. See, this is our fourth episode yep. this month. And it was, are you, oh, I thought you were trying to give me a hint. I was like, what's this? Oh, no. That's not a hint. (laughs) (laughs) This is a mess. I just don't know anyone that we're talking about. I have forgotten everyone, apparently. Even in this, uh, the same month, I can't remember people. I, by some miracle, remember the Norway lemming. I don't know how I did that. Oh, my gosh. This is just a mess. They like bugs. They're like bugs or they like They like bugs. Oh, the aardvark. Yep. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, we've literally had all mammals so mm-hmm. far. <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> I think that's we. I think we're usually mammal heavy on Africa. I mean, Africa has a lot of cool mammals. Africa just has a lot of cool everything. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Anyway, all right. <laughs> um, do want to give you a heads up? I will remind you next week as well. Um, we are going into our mid-season break, so we will not have any new episodes in January. Um, so we will have one more episode in December. And that is our last episode for the year. And then we will be back in February with Asia. But uh, thank you very much for listening to episode 106. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode, our last episode in Africa on the Animal Addict Podcast.